Welcome to the Resilience Rising podcast with me, your host, Jen Scottney. With the help of my guests, we will be getting curious about what resilience is, how we develop it, and the times we've used it. This podcast is here to explore all things resilience. Today, I'm excited and slightly nervous to have Sarah Williams on the podcast. Sarah is an adventurer, vlogger and founder of the Tough Girl podcast and Tough Girl Challenges and Tribe. The Tough Girl podcast is an award-winning, award-winning podcast featuring interviews with inspirational women from around the world who faced and overcome difficult challenges and situations. In Sarah's capable hands, they share their stories, their knowledge and provide advice and inspiration. Sarah started this in 2014 after leaving a career in banking and it has grown to be the award-winning podcast it is today, with the number of episodes well into the hundreds and downloads into the millions. She says her mission is to increase the amount of female role models in the media, especially in relation to adventures and big physical challenges. She's completed her own challenges, including running the Marathon de Sables, through hike the Appalachian Trail solo and cycled down the Pacific Coast Highway on a second-hand bike, as well as numerous other long-distance paths in the UK and beyond. I'm so happy to speak to her today to ask her all about her take on resilience, both from her own experiences, but also with her years of speaking to the leading female explorers, adventurers and sports people. Welcome to the podcast, Sarah. <laughs> Oh, thank you for having me. I'm just blushing so much now. I, I don't know if it's a British thing where you just start cringing like, oh, no, stop talking about me. Oh. <laughs> Look, you've done this for 100. Well, how many episodes is it? About 700 or Six, 600 plus, but 600 plus have been released. But I've also got another probably 20 or 30 that I'm working on at the moment so yeah we're in the 600 so so all those yeah. people that you have bigged up and celebrated so let's turn that back onto you oh. for a little bit <laughs> okay okay I'll cope I'll cope <laughs> Ah, so yes, I thought that with nearly 700 or whatever episodes, you have spoken to some pretty resilient people and I think a pretty resilient yourself. Um, yeah, so I'm really interested to ask you some questions and delve into your take on resilience. Is that okay? Yes, I love it. I hope I hope I can add value. That's what I'm hoping. I'm confident that everybody has something to say about resilience. So it's fine. It's a low bar. <laughs> expectations <laughs> what is your kind of definition of resilience oh do you know, this this is um it's really fascinating actually because I actually just spoke to like a, a a professional uh lady who whose subject matter is resilience like she studied it to a really sort of high level and so I'm afraid I'm going to end up regurgitating like what <laughs> she has shared because it's so fresh in my mind it is your ability to bounce back. It is your ability to persevere. It is your ability to keep on going when times and situations are tough. It is the ability to adapt. It is the ability to reframe. Um, I also think it's the ability to be positive in really tough situations. Um, yeah, I, and I also think resilience is something that can be learned it can be developed it can be improved it's not something that you're necessarily born with it's something that you can develop through 
through your training, through your adventures, through putting yourself out there. Um, yeah, I suppose that would be my starting point of resilience. It's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. And like, does that come from your own experiences, your own life? Or is this something as well that you feel like you, you've been talking about that for like seven, eight years? It kind of encapsulates what your podcast is about. I, I, you know, I think it has all managed to to merge together, especially because when you when you interview so many incredible women, and you you know you do the interviews and then you do the editing and then you you listen to them again, you just absorb so much extra stuff from it. So I think that's that's definitely something that I've picked up from all the incredible women, just whether it's their tips and tricks and their advice that they've provided, but it's also experiences that I've had. I mean, you've mentioned some of the the challenges that I've done, and and by putting myself in those situations. It has been challenging. I have been taken to those, you know, mentally those dark places and it is pushing on through and you just do develop this, this confidence and this determination and grit and focus at which everything I think combines to be, to be resilient and not to give up. I mean, the Appalachian Trail is, is one of, you know, my classic examples, just, you know, to put that into context. So, the Appalachian Trail runs 2,200 miles from Mount Katahdin in Maine down to Springer Mountain in Georgia. And I ended up walking it, hiking it. And most people take five and a half months to do it. And I thought, oh, 2,200 miles. Let's do it in 100 days, 22 miles a day. And I think one of the – I was very naive back then, I think, before I, before I, before I took that challenge on. I, I didn't realise What, what like, year are we talking about for this one? This is in 2017. Right. Um, so it was off the back of doing Marathon de Saves in 2016. And because I'd finished Marathon de Saves and I'd had that like the peak high of completing it. And I thought, well, for my next challenge, I want something which is going to last longer because I trained for, you know, for almost 18 months for, for, Mar- for Marathon de Saves. And then it was like over. Um, and so when, that, when I heard about the Appalachian Trail, I thought, oh, this is going to be challenging. But the problem was like, I didn't start off doing 22 miles per day. I started off with 15 miles then suddenly I was seven miles behind by day two I was 14 miles behind day three 21 and it just kept this I was just kept getting so far behind and mentally I think that can be really challenging because you start to really doubt yourself like am I am I good enough am I going to be able to to finish this am I going to be able to complete this and by the way I should clarify this was pressure that I put on myself it was my personal choice nobody else was pressuring pressuring me to do it this this was me but I think you know what I learned from from that was the resilience side of things actually you know you have to show up every single day you know so you know it's pouring down with rain it's cold outside I had to get myself out of the tent put my wet clothes on my wet shoes on get up and start walking and and so that that showing up to me that was a form of um of resilience because actually just just showing up when you don't feel like it and performing is a very very powerful thing and, and people do this automatically when they go training I mean if 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 runners are listening to this podcast they will know if they look outside and it's like it's pissing down with rain and it's gray skies and you're thinking do I want to go for a run today Nine times out of 10, you're probably like, no, but you force yourself, you get out there, you do the run, you feel great, you feel amazing. But that is a method of building up your resilience mm. because you, you will look back on those hard training sessions and think, well, hold on, come on. I did those hill sprints. I, you know, I, I did that stair training. I did that fartlet training. I got to the point where I thought, oh, I'm going to throw up my, my lunch because I pushed my body so hard. But that is all training for when you are actually out on a challenge out in the cold weather, dealing with 
your rubbish situations. And you'll look back to your training and think, hey, I did that. If I did that, then I can do this. And that's why I think it's something that can build because with all of my challenges, they sort of built on top of one another. So, you know, on Marathon de Saabs, I would think back, Sarah, you ran the London Marathon. Of course you can do this. Appalachian Trail, Sarah, you did Marathon de Saabs. You ran 52 miles in a day. Come on, all, all you have to do today is walk 22 miles. You can do that. And then on the, you know, when I was cycling, Sarah, you walk 2,200 miles, you know. And so it builds and builds and builds, which, which is a really, just, it's a really nice place to be sort of mentally and physically when you can look back over, over your history and pinpoint those moments and think, yeah, do you know what? I did do that. So actually, yeah, I can do this next challenge, take on this next adventure. So yeah. sorry, I talk a lot because of podcasting. So. Oh my <laughs> so God, I, it's I, dream, I talk, ve- dream guest. <laughs> <laughs> No, but do, do and, tell me if I'm talking too much and I'll try and like uh, shrink it down a bit. You're an absolute inspiration to me, so I'd never tell you that you are talking too stop much. Stop it, stop it. <laughs> that kind of, I, I think it's really interesting to think, obviously we kind of see the, the training for these as the kind of physical development, but also seeing that as being the, the mental and the mindset development. Were there any other training that you did for your mindset going into those challenges? Oh my God. Yes. Like so many things like the, the mindset I actually found like really, really interesting. And so, I mean, I, I did a couple of things off the back. So I've always been a big fan of people like Tony Robbins, for example. And I've, um, he's, he's a, an incredible sort of motivational speaker. And I attended his, uh, one of his events down in London and did like a firewalk. And, you know, one of the things that he talked about is, you know, the, the power of visualization, for example. So for, I mean, this sounds cringy and people might be like that's so embarrassing but to be honest I don't care I created my own certificate of achievement for the marathon de Saabs, um, and I put it up on my mirror so every morning when I'm brushing my teeth I could look at that certificate of achievement and think you know this is I, I'm doing this I will do this so there's a visualization and it's not even just having the certificate of achievement but it's also that visualization like I vividly remember watching like YouTube videos and films and seeing people getting that medal placed around their neck at the end and crossing that finish line. And I probably thought about that finish line every single day, two times, three times, four times, five times, imagining the medal going around my neck. And so that was like, you know, incredibly, incredibly powerful. And even during uh, training, you know, things like mantras, like I did have one mantra, which was... um, Oh, what is it? Pride is temporary pain. No, oh, that was it. Pain is temporary. Pride is forever. Um, my problem was that it was too, I realized it was too long for me because <laughs> when I when I was out running, um, the words got mixed up in my head. And I realized that I was saying to myself, pain is forever, pain is forever. And I was like, <laughs> I was like no, that's not a good mantra because you want your mantras to be short and positive. Like, you know, I'm strong, I'm capable, I'm strong, I'm capable, I'm, I'm powerful, I'm running faster. Um, and so, you know, little things like that, like mentally, I need super short mantras, which are positive and, you know, and empowering. Um, yeah. So what did I do? Yeah. Visualization was a powerful one. My certificate of achievement. Another great one which I did, which is a really practical piece of advice. And I got this from Ali Mahoney Johnson, who is um, who came on the Tough Girl podcast many years ago. And she you, you might have heard of it doing like a what if list. Mm. Um, yeah, super simple, but a great thing to do. Get a piece of paper, draw a line down the center, left hand side, every fear, every concern that you have, 
What if I run out of water? What if I fall over? What if my shoelace breaks? What if I get the shits? What if X happens? What if Y happens? And you can also, if you're having conversations with loved ones who are maybe a little bit scared or a little bit apprehensive about what you're the challenge that you're going to be taking on, get them to share their fears. Like, well, what, what are your concerns? Well, what if this happens? Da, da, da. And so you get that all on the left-hand side of the paper. And then the next bit is really important. Get yourself in a super comfortable, amazing environment, play some good music. If you want to have a glass of wine, have a glass of wine, and then just start going through the list. Okay, what if my shoelace is breaks, for example? Well, how often does that realistically happen? Okay, you could carry a spare if you want to. Right next, how do you, you know, how do you deal with bears on the? What if you, what if you see a bear on the Appalachian Trail? Right, well, okay, well, I'm in the UK, I'm not used to bears. You get on Google, you figure, you know, you know that you make noise on the trail, you know how to walk backwards, you know that you can take bear spray, etc. And so in this really safe, comfortable environment, you can go through this, this what if list. But the other thing you're doing is actually training your mind at the same time, because you're mentally running through these scenarios. So when that does happen, so for example, when I've like run out of food or water, it's not that big a deal for me, because it's just like, okay, well, I know that I'm, I can carry on walking and I'll get to my next water point. I know I can get to my next resupply. I know there's going to be people on, on this trail, for example. I can always ask them, you know, look, sorry, I've run out of food. <laughs> could I have a protein bar? Could I have some of your water? There are solutions to that. And so by mentally going through that, that's a phenomenal thing to do in terms of like the mental preparation. And another big one, which is talked about quite a lot, is and, and I did this on the Appalachian Trail, which was in in the inside of my my guidebook. I opened it out, and I had the reason why am I doing this, and I wrote down every single reason why. You know, I'm doing it. I'm doing it for myself. I'm doing it to prove people wrong. <laughs> I want to do it to inspire women. Because, but you can use positive and, and negative. You know, you can use spite. If that, you know, if somebody somebody wrote on one of my when I launched the Appalachian Trail, my plan, somebody wrote on wrote on one of the comments something along the lines of, "Oh, sweetie, you're not tough enough. You're not strong enough. There's no way that you will do this in a hundred days." And you can use that. You can turn that around. You can reframe it. So there are things that you can do to mentally develop those those routines. But you know, even for me, um, when I'm out, say, running on, on Marathon de Saabs, you know, like before even getting to a checkpoint, I'd figured out my routine. What do I what do I need to do when I get to that checkpoint? I know I need to go and get my stamp. I need to collect my water. I need to pour my water into my, you know, my water bottles on the front of my chest. I need to finish the rest of the bottle. I need to put the lid back on straight away. And then I need to get through the checkpoint. Do not stop. Do not sit down. Do not talk to anybody else because that checkpoints are dangerous. You'll get distracted and then suddenly it's like, oh my God, 10 minutes, 15, 20 minutes. Like, no, get through get out routine same you know on the Appalachian Trail mentally I'd already thought through what do I need to do when I get to camp uh, so before I'm getting into camp I know that I'm eating I'm drinking I keep moving I set up my tent I blow up my air mattress I get refill my water I organize my stuff I do my you know my mental physical check-in to get myself ready because I know if I just stop then I'm done for. It's like, oh, I don't have the energy to put my tent up. And so, yeah, things like that. I hope hope that's been helpful. It is. And actually, there's quite a crossover with me as a running coach. And I use the visualization. We do the journaling and the what ifs and just really working out what's in our control, what isn't in our control. Um, But I mean, saying that it, it sounds like you're perfectly 
position for these challenges, but you said that they did take you to some dark places. And I wondered what were the sort of things that cropped up or that kind of put you in those dark places? Oh, well, I'll, I'll, so <laughs> this was on the long, this was on the long stage of Marathon de Saves, 52 miles across the, across the Sahara Desert, carrying everything you need in your pack. And uh, I was probably, I'd never run maybe further than 30 miles before. And so this was all new territory, very exciting. What's going to happen to my body? What's going to happen to my mind? And uh, I passed the th- past 30 miles. And I think my endorphins were just flowing and it was, you know, beautiful weather. And I felt like this is what I've trained for. I'm out here. I'm strong. I'm fit. I'm healthy. Like, just felt amazing. And so in my head, I'm thinking, this is going to continue for the next 20 miles. What a breeze. People who talk about, you know, how challenging it gets. I mean, what are they talking about? And so I went from this incredible high. And I even remember I was at the top of these sand dunes and um, and it was like I was looking down over the desert. The sun was starting to go down. It was starting to get like a little bit cooler. And I tightened up my straps. I had my salt tablets. I took a couple of sips of water and I was like, right, let's let's go. Probably put the Spice Girls on as well, you know, get get the beats, get the music playing. And I started running down, you know, down the sand dunes, flying along, overtaking people, just feeling like a queen, feeling like a boss. And then it suddenly gets darker. And then then I was struggling to see the lights of where to go next. And then it's like my stitch and my side. And then I was feeling a little bit sick. And then I was thinking, oh my God, am I going to like shit myself? <laughs> so I don't know if that's allowed to say uh, on the podcast. And then things just started going wrong. I don't, I don't know. Like I started, the, the mental talk shifted from being all positive to like, what the hell are you doing out here? Oh my God, your feet are starting to hurt and throb. Your muscles are cramping. Like I feel as though I've got like, my skin is like super tight and super dry from the sand and from, from the heat. I feel, I felt like dehydrated. My lips were drying out. And then the negative spiral started. And that's going to be really, really difficult when you're like, what am I, what am I doing out here in the pitch black? Like, oh my God. Like, and but that, that was a, like a bit of a shock because I'd had such an amazing high. I almost like wasn't expecting it. And then suddenly you're at, you know, you're at 40 miles in and you're like, I've still got another 12 miles to go. And one of the scary things that not scary, one of the things that can happen in a desert is you can see your end destination and it looks so close. It, honestly, it looks like you can touch it, but you, you know, deep down in your head that you've probably got like another six hours of, of running to go. And but when you can see your end destination and you feel as though you're not making any progress, it's so demoralizing. And then um, I got to the point when I was running that I wasn't able to run anymore. And so I was having to I was I was doing my counting and I couldn't count more than like one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. And then I realized that I'd slowed down so much that I, I was almost like standing. I wasn't moving my body anymore. And so I was having to say out loud step like take a step 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 keep you know and it was just like you, you jog for like you know five meters ten meters and then you'd stop and then you'd be like oh yeah you know, what what is going on and um it was just I don't know it's like how do you get yourself out of that black hole and like can you mentally pull yourself out of that because sometimes if you're surrounded by other people they can jolly you along they can cheer you up they can distract you but when it's just you it it does almost become this like internal battle this mentally and I and I remember having these conversations I hope other people have conversations in their head but having these conversations where where I had to really sort of say to myself I had to go back to why are you doing this again Sarah 
hold on, this was your choice. You've paid a lot of money to do this. You need to change your attitude now. And then it was going back to those, you know, those mental resilience tactics. And, you know, for example, like gratitude. And so it would be like running along, like, come on, let's do, let's run like 10 steps. What are we grateful for? Okay, I'm grateful for the fact that I can still move. I've got, I've got food, I've got water, I've got friends, I've got family, I've got people who love me. And trying to flip it on its head. And, um, but that, that's where you learn the most about yourself. Because actually go by going through that and you do get to the other side when you're suddenly, you know, you're, you're a mile away from the finish line. And there's a picture of me um, blowing a kiss, I think I, at 1.54 in the morning reaching. And then I was on like a massive high again. So, so you realize that dark times are going to happen, but you also realize there's going to be good times as well. And sometimes you need those dark moments to really appreciate the good moments. And that, uh, I mean, this has been said so many times, like um, nothing lasts forever. And I think even sometimes, even if you're just repeating that, nothing lasts forever, nothing lasts forever. You, you, you're going to finish this. You're going to finish. You're going to finish. You're going to finish. You're going to finish. You can power. You can power on through. And it's stuff like that which you you, you you then use in like future challenges and adventures to to get you to your goal, to get you the result that you want to to get. Um, and so I almost I almost expect those dark times now, and not look forward to them because it's it's never nice. But I know that you know, they're not going to last forever. I will get through this. I have got so many tools in my toolbox that I can pull on and use for the different situations and scenarios that, that, that I will be in. Um, and like you said, there are things that you can control um, and there are other things that you can't control. And it's like, well, what am I focusing on? I can't focus on the weather. I, you know, I've got no, I can't control the weather, but I can control how I react to the weather. I even remember on the Appalachian Trail, like when it was like, like it was like the fifth day of like nonstop rain and walking through the mud. And I remember just thinking to myself, well, at least it's not snowing. <laughs> Try, you know, trying to put like a, a positive spin on it because that's what I could focus on. And that's what I reverted back to. And where did that toolbox come from? Is this something that you already had through life? Should we all have this? Or was it something that you had got from kind of other people's? Because by that point, were you doing the interviews on the podcast? Yes, I, yes, I was. To be honest, I think I was, I was very fortunate because one of my, when I was 18, I went, uh, I went traveling around the world. I did, you know, I took a gap year. I started with a friend and, you know, we flew to, to Hong Kong, um, China, Vietnam, um, Laos, Thailand. And then she, she headed home and I carried on by myself at 18 through Malaysia, Singapore, East Coast of Australia, New Zealand, uh, before doing Camp America. And to be honest, I think that was one of the most powerful things almost incredible things and you know obviously you know an amazing privilege to go and do that you know I worked for six months saved my money and then headed out for six months traveling but that experience was as cringy as it sounds it was life-changing it was so empowering for me being you know a single female being in these situations figuring out my travel plans well how do I how do I cross the border from Malaysia to Singapore catching flights by myself landing in landing in Australia figuring out where I'm going to go you know which people do I want to socialize with do I feel comfortable these are all sort of lessons that you that you end up learning and so then, you know how we, we talked about how things build on. When I started my job in banking, you know, generally I was the youngest female in the room full of white men in their 40s. And I, to be honest, I would always look back to my, or always go back to, Sarah, you travel the world at 18. You can handle whatever situation was thrown at me. And so I think it is definitely something that you can learn over time. But it's also, 
you can learn it from listening to other people. But, you know, by listening to your podcast, there will be so many people who are sharing tips and advice for resilience. I mean, I, I'm probably quite a practical person, so <laughs> I, this is probably going to sound really geeky. But write it down. If somebody mentions a great tip, write it down somewhere. And then the, the next step is, is testing it out. Try it and see. The next time you're out on a run and you're having a, you know, not having the best time, okay, every time you see a lamppost, say something that you're grateful for. Try it. See, every time you see a tree, okay, I am grateful for, and it's got to be something positive, but you, you, you test that out and then see how your mind changes. Does that work for you? Things like mantras, figure out, you know, what are there certain words that really, uh, you know, connect with you? For example, I actually, I personally, I really don't like the word stubborn. That doesn't like, that doesn't ag- agree with me in any, any way. So I'd never wrong say, I'm so stubborn. I'm going to finish this. But for other people, they may be like, do you know what? I'm stubborn. I'll finish this. I'm, you know, I'm stubborn. I'm strong. I'm stubborn. You know, what it may be. So next time you're out running, test it out see which words really sort of resonate with you because it is about trial and error um and just seeing yeah what's going to work for for your goal your challenge your body your mindset and obviously i speak from a very neurotypical mindset so for people who are um I've forgotten, more sort of neurodivergent i hope that's the the right language you know different things may work in different um different ways you know i know people who they write things on their arm write things on the on their hand or they have you know beads around the wrist to help them to help remind them or even getting a tattoo i mean that's quite a permanent choice <laughs> oh my pain, God. pain forever yeah <laughs> you imagine if someone went out and got a tattoo now because i said <laughs> that would be cool <laughs> oh so do you feel like you've picked up a lot of tips inspiration I mean surely I have just from listening to your podcast and so I'm guessing that you have as well like how has that changed you it's changed it's changed not only from the tips and the advice I think it's changed me because of having these in-depth conversations with incredible women who are so open and honest and share in such a beautiful way and I think what's really powerful is different stories will resonate with different with different women and different, you know, different communication styles will connect in, in different levels. And it's just, it's just such a privilege to, to listen and to really learn. And you just don't, you don't realize what is absorbed into your mind. So you almost really have to protect your mind and protect what you're, what you're putting in there. Like, you know, if you're surrounded, I'm very, I, I only, I, I never realized this. And I talked, so I live with my parents and I just assumed that everybody had a childhood like me growing up where, you know, I come in with, you know, achieved whatever. And mum and dad be like, oh, fantastic. Oh, you know, you're brilliant. Well done. We're so proud of you. And, you know, even even now when I, you know, share things with them, that they're just so proud and excited and, and happy and supportive and encouraging. And so I just assumed that that, that most people have had that growing up. And it was only sort of when I got, to honest, when I got in my 20s and started having conversations, I realized not everybody's family was like that. And so sometimes you may be surrounded by people who, who don't support you, who belittle you, who don't believe in you, who do microaggressions or, you know, the snide little comments or the negging or, you know, whatever it may be. And you, and if you realize that and you notice when you, when you realize and when you notice, then you start, then you've got to start thinking, okay, I really need to protect my mind here. What am I, what content am I consuming? How does it make me feel? And even just with the Tough Girl podcast, you know, even just listening to, to one or two episodes, you know, that can, that can change your mind in a really, you know, really great way. But you start listening to it on a regular basis. You start hearing these women, all ages, shapes, sizes, backgrounds, all types of challenges. 
you are going to learn, you are going to pick something up and you may not even realize it will be go, it will be absorbed into your subconsciousness and you will be out there. And, you know, whether it's at work, whether it's with friends, you'll start applying it and using it. And hopefully, you know, what I'd love to happen is that ripple effect that you start using it more and more and you start making better decisions for yourself. So you think, actually, no, I am going to sign up for that marathon. Everyone, everyone thinks that I'm a joke for, for wanting to do that. No, do you know what? I, I'm going to believe in myself because I, I have a message at the very end of my podcast, which is, you know, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, give it 110%, get after it, go for it. Believe in yourself because I believe in you. Because I know that there are people out there who are never told or they never hear the words, I believe in you, you can do this. And actually, that can be so powerful. Even if it's a stranger on the internet, even if you've never met me, for example, but you listen to the podcast, trust me, you'll get to know me a lot. Um, But hopefully those words will make you think, actually, you know what, I can do this. I'm going to start believing in myself. And sorry, I've gone on a real tangent. So I'm not sure I answered the question, but... No, um, well, it was kind of also like personally, how has it affected you? What changes have you made since listening to all these women's stories? I, I don't necessarily know. I suppose I don't necessarily know if I've made more changes, but I, I suppose it's really solidified my belief in myself and what I'm doing. And it's made me feel OK about the life that I'm living, because when I first made this made this change, you know, from banking, living in London to moving back home to wanting to be a motivational speaker and go on these adventures and share women's stories and women's voices. You know, I, I've been laughed at before, um, like to my face when I, you know, explained what, what I was doing and, and people just didn't get it, didn't understand it. And you can face a lot of self-doubt at the start, especially when you don't, is this, is this going to be successful? Is anybody going to listen to, to, to me, to, to the stories? And it's, and it's easy now because I, you know, it, it, the Tough Girl podcast is listened to, you know, 210 countries around the world. It's coming up to like 3 million downloads. You know, it's, it's won awards. And so it's not that, so that validation is amazing because it's always saying, yes, this is a success. But it's also internally for me, like I now have the confidence because I hear these stories of women who are like, you know, for, like Ros Savage gave up her job in management consultancy at 38. And I'm thinking, oh, well, I was 32. So I was a little bit younger than you before, you know, she went off and uh, rowed, first woman to row the Indian Ocean, Atlantic Ocean and the, the, and the Pacific Ocean. And other women who've also taken on different challenges and followed their dreams and passions and realizing that, you know, what, it's okay to be different. It's okay to do something outside of what society expects of you. And I think it's just really reconfirmed my beliefs. The other, I'd say the biggest problem that I have is I keep hearing these incredible stories and I'm just like, oh, I really want to walk the PCT. I really want to walk the Tiora Trail. Oh my God, I've got to do the coast to coast, the Southwest Coastal Path. I want to row the Atlantic Ocean. I want to climb up on Kaikiwa. Like there's so many adventures and challenges that I want to go on. But obviously you can't do everything and money and time. Like how do you, how do you fit everything in? So that, so that is that is one downside of listening to the podcast. You're just going to be like, oh, like I want to do everything and you, and you can't. So yeah, that's a challenge. <laughs> it's like a, quite a good one to have. <laughs> and like just going back to that, when you did take the kind of leap to start the podcast and you're saying about you, you had no idea whether it was going to be a success at all. Like what's, how did you get past those doubts and get it out? Did it take a lot of time or were you just very much, I believe in this, I'm going to do it? Very much, I believe in this, I'm going to do it. The other thing which I think really helped me is that I wasn't looking for 
I was very aware things take time to build because I started with zero, like, you know, zero followers on Instagram, zero followers on Facebook, you know, every single platform was zero. And, but I, I really, really did believe in the mission. And once I clarified that mission to myself and I knew what my purpose was, it was like everything just became super clear and not easy, but just as in my decision making became so much easier. Like, is this speaking to these women? Is this going to add value to the listeners? Yes. Is it going to make a difference in the world? Yes. Is it important for these women's stories and women's voices to get out there? Yes. Would I want to hear this content when I was younger and and growing up or even in my 30s or my 40s? Yes, 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 yes. And I knew that it was something that I would improve at, that I would get better at. And, you know, I cringe now when I think about my earlier episodes. I don't introduce myself. Um, When I first started with Patreon, I couldn't pronounce. I'm, I'm not great with pronunciation. And um, I couldn't pronounce Patreon. And I was calling it Patron. Come and support me via Patron. And like, you know, but my listeners are so wonderful. And somebody messaged me saying, oh, it's actually like Patreon. And, you know, stuff like that. So I was thinking really, really long term. And I was thinking, you know, if you just persevere, if you are really, really consistent by sharing these stories, you will find a market out there. You will find your niche. You will find your community. And for me, I, you know, the tough girl tribe bringing that all together. It is going to happen. The other thing I should say as well, you know, is again, I'm in a very, very privileged position because I moved back home with my parents. I do not pay rent. I do not pay for my food. I, you know, I can drive mum's car. It's always filled with petrol. So I do not have, I didn't, don't have to concern myself with any of that. And I could just focus on building and following my passion and building up tough girl, tough girl challenges. But, you know, I wasn't able to monetize for, for almost three and a bit years or something, maybe two and a half years before before I started earning an income and before I started having the numbers to be able to work with sponsors and to, and to go on um, different, you know, challenges. You know, so Marathon de Sars was like the last of my, the last of my banking money was spent on Marathon de Sars and, <laughs> you know, the laptop for the business. And then the rest was done um, uh, by, uh, well, to be honest, after Patreon started, I was getting four or $500 a month and that sort of paid for it. And then, then credit card for a little bit. And then I, you know, I did, I did my masters and got some money for that, which, which sort of helped. And so I was just thinking really, really long term. And I think when you're really passionate about something and you've got like a really clear vision, it just makes everything easier. Like even now, like I, I still think in like sometimes like five year, 10 year blocks about what I want to achieve, you know, personally, but also with, with Tough Girl Challenges, with, with the podcast, you know, I'm trying to grow my YouTube channel at the moment. And, um, there's a website you can go to. I can't remember the name, but it will give you predictions of how quickly your YouTube channel will grow based on the amount of videos that you, your subs, your watch times and stuff. And, you know, I would love to get like to 10,000 subscribers on YouTube. I'm coming, I'm coming up to like 4,000. And it says something like you will get to 10,000 subscribers in 2025, um, like April, 2025. And most people will be like really not not disappointed think, gosh, that's a really long way away. Like, should I continue producing content weekly for not and not getting any any returns? You know, I made 85p last week from my YouTube channel from from AdSense. But I know that I do need to develop another income stream. I enjoy doing the videos. It's another way to to document and share adventures and challenges to hopefully other women can watch and be inspired by that. So um yeah, so I think for me thinking thinking long term and being really, really consistent. Like, you know, I haven't missed a Tuesday in eight years. 
And, you know, during COVID years, I was doing two episodes a week on, on the podcast to deliver content for people to listen to when they were going through, you know, really, really tough times. And so, yeah, consistency and thinking long term um, have definitely helped me. Oh, and I was so grateful. You really took the time out to help me when I started this podcast and do a little mentoring session and reassure me. So thank you for that. But it kind of flows into like what I really admire about you is that you tirelessly just raise the profile and celebrate other women. And I I feel like we were kind of, maybe it was just when I was in law or my certain area but there was this kind of like feeling of scarcity like there wasn't room there wasn't space for all these successful women and it could sometimes result in a bit more of a kind of you know like women not supporting each other because we felt like we were competitive I mean did you ever feel like that or have you always just wanted to raise everybody oh my goodness yes 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 because well, banking, very very male male dominated. There's very few senior people, at, at senior women at senior levels. And back, you know, going back, you know, ten years ago, if you're a senior, not all women, but but some women, they were shutting the door behind because it's like, no, no, I had to fight and scrape to get myself here. Like, there's not enough room. There was definitely one thousand percent that energy, and I and I do understand what you're saying with law as well. I've got a lot of lot of friends who work in the law space, and I th- I think what was really interesting is I found it so different when I moved from banking, uh, you know, very male dominated, competitive, to to working with women. The word that I would use is like collaboration. I have only had in eight years. I've only had one instance. Um, where somebody thought that I was a competition and didn't want to work with me. Um, but but otherwise, like, it's been incredible. Like some of the collaborations, some of the some of the partnerships that like, the women that I've worked with, the women who've spent time with me, you know, supporting me, encouraging me, having conversations, whether it's, you know, providing equipment for me, like for the Appalachian Trail, I couldn't afford a tent. Remember the Tough Girl Tribe, Ellen? She was like, I've got a tent you can use. And I was like, oh my God, you know, like this is, you know, amazing. Like I didn't have a spot, a spot tracker for Saganapis. Like, Somebody lent me a spot tracker. So it's all, it's definitely been about collaboration. Although what I would have to say as well is being really honest, when I first sort of moved into the industry, because of maybe having a very business mindset, you do an analysis of like, well, who, who's doing, who's doing what in, in, in the industry? And to be honest, I did initially start to view the, the other women like well who, who's my competition who's also going after the same sponsorships as me and I actually had to I realized that I was starting to get jealous of other women of you know say brands or partnerships that they were working with it's like well you know, why not me poor, poor me and I really had to stop and actually think really and say hold on hold on what what is your mission again what are you trying to do I said like, you know I want to increase the amount of female role models in the media can I do this by myself no, I, I cannot. And there's so many amazing women doing incredible things. And so actually, you know, for, you know, you starting your podcast, whether it's, you know, Zolangi Watham starting her Head Right Out podcast, there is enough, enough space to go around, enough stories to be shared. Like the thing that I feel bad about is that I can't share enough stories. I can't produce enough content by myself. And I, I'm giving it my all sometimes, but you also don't want to get to that breaking point. You can only do so much. But actually, I, I need other women out there sharing their stories, being active on social media, talking about their challenges and their adventures, because that 
that affects the, the you know other people around them because you know when 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 a woman signs up for a marathon or an ultra marathon that will impact her friends her colleagues her peers if she's got if she's got children you know it's like oh well she's just like me and she signed up for a marathon oh well if she can do it i can do it then somebody else signs up for another challenge somebody else starts going to the gym somebody else starts going after that mountain leader qualification somebody else decides to go and climb a mountain and i really do believe in that positive knock on knock on consequences and you know in you know, things with the media actually haven't changed that much like over the past sort of 10 years in terms of um of sponsorship of media exposure and actually that's why it's the power of social media every time somebody retweets another woman every time somebody shares a story um buys buys their books watches their films you know it's it all adds up those little tiny things all 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 adds up so you know i to be honest i I love supporting other women, especially when they start podcasts, because it's like, because I made so many mistakes. And if I can sit down with people and have a 45 minute conversation and share, whether it's sharing my workflow, whether it's telling them about Orphonic, whether it's telling them how I find guests, whether it's answering any questions or queries that they may have, that's hopefully saved them weeks, giving them the confidence to to crack on and to, you know, do what they need to do. And there is enough space because you could have, you know, um, I was speaking to a lady, um, earlier earlier on today called india pearson she started a podcast called uh oh it's something ripple like stay in your ripple start start a ripple podcast which is about like you know movement in nature and it's like there's enough stories out there so i i just think it's an yeah an amazing amazing thing to do to support and encourage other women especially in this day and age there's too many people trying to take rights away and and keep us keep us down and keep us out and don't want to pay us equally and Anyway, sorry, I might go off on a real tangent there. You're allowed to, you're allowed to. But no, thank you so much for everything that you do with that because it really, I really notice it. And what's it been like since, like, you've been in this industry a while now, um, certainly longer than me. And when you started your podcast, were there as many female podcasters? Was there just this gap? Is that why you wanted to start this, to share these female stories? Um and have you seen kind of any changes over the last seven, eight years, however long you've been doing it? Yes. Yeah, so I, uh, why did I, oh, there was a, I'm actually, a, I'm a member of it now and I completely, I used to use it all the time. There's a Facebook group for, uh, for, for women in podcasting. It might even be called women in podcasting. And it was, there was only, back then there was only like a couple of thousand members and there's probably like 15 or 20,000 members. It's got, it's gotten too big for, it's gotten too uh, big for me now. And I think you also get to the point where I know what I need to do. I know how to to do it and I just need to get on and, and do it. But when you first start out, you do have all these, you know, how many episodes should I start with? How long should my episodes be? When, which day should I release on which platform? You know, all of these questions that you do need answers to. Um, so what was the other question? It was, so has the industry changed? Yeah, you're saying like it has increased. Um, and, and also it was the question was like when you first started thinking about that idea for your podcast, had it just been that you were looking for something like this and it wasn't there? Well, so initially I started blogging. Um, yeah, so back in 2014, well, actually, probably yeah, probably 2014, I started blogging. 2015, I was still blogging, writing about my life, going to the gym. Thought people would be fascinated. <laughs> they weren't. No one was. Okay, we didn't, we didn't get to three million <laughs> readers. No, but, um, 
But because I, I always I was always joke as well, like, you know, my mum didn't even read my blog because she's she's not that technical. <laughs> and then I, I was very fortunate to join like a mastermind group with uh with some other entrepreneurs who uh, who were looking to build like a, a different type of business to live a little bit different life. And uh, one of the guys there called Yanni Lunga, um and he was we would we were talking and he's he's an amazing guy as well, and he was talking about Sarah, you should start a podcast. This would be so amazing, you know, to share these stories. And my first, my first thing was like, look, I am not technical. Like how, like, no, like, how can I even do this? And, um, uh, and I, and back then in like 2014, 2015, podcasting wasn't really that well known. Like, um, and so, you know, finding out how do I download? How do I listen? But anyway, I started listening. I, I was actually, I wasn't very well back in 2015. And I was having some sort of quiet time and, and time out to just re- recharge and re-energize and started listening to, to podcasts. And I, yeah, I suddenly got it. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like listening to the, listening to the podcast hosts and like understanding their jokes and like, you know, learning so much. And I just thought, wow, like what a, what a platform, what potential. And I remember coming, coming back. And so, yeah, so must've been start of 2015. It took me six months to like, to pull this together. I mean, oh my God, it probably took me a week to choose the music, you know? And then I did a couple of, um, I did a couple of interviews and sent that he helped me, you know, how do I edit? Like, how do I use X, Y, Z? And, you know, really helped me to get, get it off the ground. And I, I started on the, on the 4th of August, um, 2015. and yeah, it's just grown and grown and grown. And like now when I tell people in 2023, it's like, oh, it's like, oh, yeah, I do podcasting. It's like, oh, brilliant. I love podcasts. You know, duh, duh, duh. Um, and so it has just changed massively. Like, it, like, and I suppose I've just been maybe fortunate that I've been riding, riding the wave on it now that podcasts have got that popularity. But uh so yeah, so the industry definitely has changed. There's definitely more women's stories out there, but also the um, uh, what do you call it? The the ease of starting a podcast has changed a lot. So if you if you've got a smartphone, you can you, you know you can do it on on Anchor, um, and, and and so that makes it the barriers to entry are a lot reduced. You don't need to go out and buy specialist equipment. You don't need to spend a fortune if you've got something to say or something that you want to share then a thousand percent you can do it the challenge is that most so something called pod fade most people start podcasting thinking it's going to be really really easy to to grow an audience and to get listeners and the problem is people get six episodes in and aren't seeing the results that they would like to and then they end up giving giving up and, and stopping and and people think because podcasting is only audio editing for example that it's a lot easier than um than video editing but it can still take a lot of time depending on the guests that you that you have in t- to speak and you obviously want to make sure that the sound quality is really really good but I, I love the fact that there's so many women's stories and, and women's voices out there now because when I first started listening to podcasts you know I was listening to a lot of like Tim Ferriss and um Lewis Howes and I was getting to the point where I was just to be honest, I was just sick and tired of hearing men's stories and men's voices and it's like I want to hear from women I want to hear how did they do it like my fears my concerns how did they manage periods and menstruation and um how did they how did they handle feeling like an imposter how did they handle you know not having the confidence well how did they save up the money how did they pay for this like how do they actually do it like how did they take the first step these are all questions that that I have and I think how women share their stories is very very powerful so I love it that there's so many women out there sharing the stories and 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 getting that their stories heard so yeah 
and yeah. he's amazing. He's amazing. <laughs> and what I love about podcasting, I'm, I'm talking as if I'm an expert now and not only a few episodes in, <laughs> but what I love is that you can put it out there yourself. So for example, like on one of my episodes, I spoke to a writer because I was thinking of somebody who has a lot of rejection and really has to work at it. I've spoken to a singer in the music industry and they all have these kind of almost gatekeepers of agents and publishers and things. Whereas with a podcast, you can just put it out. (laughs) You don't need anyone's permission, which I like. But the other thing that I found about podcasting from my little experience is that people either just listen or they don't listen. And I don't really get any negative feedback. Like, have you had, do you have any backlash to your your podcast? Is there anything negative? It just feels like such a welcoming, lovely space at the moment for me. It definitely is. I think I definitely, I like getting feedback, but it's really interesting. So I, I literally had this week where I got one message from a listener saying, Sarah, love the podcast, love what you're doing, but sometimes you can share a little bit too much about Marathon de Solves and the Appalachian Trail. Um, and it would just be, uh, you, you don't need to mention that every time. <laughs> so I was like, so I see, that's awesome. For, you know, thank you so much because I haven't been told that before. Maybe I am talking too much. I obviously like, do like to talk. And then, um, then I'm not sure, four days later, five days later, I got another piece of feedback and from, from somebody else saying, Sarah, absolutely love your podcast, but I wish that, um, I wish that you would ask, I wish you would talk more and share more about your, <laughs> your experiences, because that's what I really enjoy sharing when you're asking the questions and you, and you relate it, relate it back. And so it's really interesting. So literally in the same week, two conflict, conflicting pieces of, um, of, of feedback. Um, and, and what do you do with that? And so I, I just take it from a positive pace because I'm like, hold on. They've listened to my episodes. They care enough to leave me feedback. I think that's amazing. I actually had another one on one of my YouTube videos. It was so funny. It was basically like started watching, got bored after the first three and a half minutes, uh, couldn't continue watching. Now most now most people would be like, you'd be really upset getting that feedback. But I was thinking, hold on, look, he's watched three and a half minutes. He he obviously wanted to watch it for for this is from the from the Anglesey uh, vlogs. Go and watch them if you haven't. But he's obviously cared enough to to write this feedback. So I, I, you know, I went back and said, you know, look, thank you so much for letting me know. I really appreciate it. That is something that I can work on to make it more engaging at the start and to be less boring. So, <laughs> um, so I think it's how you take it. I think one of the big things for me, which um, it, it wasn't negative, it wasn't negative feedback, but it was definitely a realization, and that was during. Um, uh, so was it, yeah, 2020 with, with George Floyd and Black Lives Matter, um, and especially like the, like the diversity piece. And I look back through my podcasts and you know, it was embarrassing because the amount of privileged, white, blonde-haired women that I'd spoken to in the adventure space who were all doing, you know, nothing against them. They're all doing amazing challenges. But because I almost had blinkers on, I was literally like, I need like women. We need to hear from women's stories, women's voices. So who do I reach out and connect with? Like who's in my who's in my network? And it was almost like the same type of woman that I was interviewing again and again and again. And so, you know, that was a wake-up call for me in terms of actually, you know, I I did have like a little bit of like diversity, but it wasn't, it wasn't good enough by any um by by any standard. And so then that became a real conscious effort to hold on. Um I can't, I need to diversify on age, ability, shape, size, race, um, 
to to create different to share different women's voice different women's voices and so that was really um what do I say not not challenging and not criticism but it was more like as in me as in Sarah I need to do better I want to be a leader in this space I, I want to be pushing women's voices at the moment I'm only pushing one type of voice and giving them a platform and to be honest that's not good enough and like no excuses and so that was like okay I need to do I need to do better and so now you know it's something that I have been and I, I, I wrote a post about it on Facebook and said look talk is cheap like I, I can talk about this till the cows come home, but the proof will be in the pudding. So now if you go to, to my website and you look through the women that I'm interviewing, uh, I hope that you will look through and see that there is diversity, there is representation, there is different body shapes and sizes, there is different you know um, abilities out there. Um, uh, yeah, to, to, yeah. Well done for that. Again, I think I say it a few times, it's that it is really hard, I think, in this day and age to kind of own up and say when you could be doing better. So well done for doing that. And I think it's really inspiring. Um, I was just kind of thinking, we've talked a lot about adventure, like, obviously, can you just stop talking about MDS? No. <laughs> I know, exactly. No, no, no. Sorry, no. So no what I was thinking about was just kind of widening it out, you know, when we were talking, well, about the definition of resilience, but also those kind of tools that you have when you've got wet feet or things aren't going well on a trail. But like, can you, do you open that out in your everyday life? Are the, would you say you're a resilient person? Do you think your adventures make you more resilient outside of those trails I think they do but I also if you follow my, I have a I live a very very privileged life in terms of um I'm so fortunate to be surrounded by my life doesn't how can I say this it's I have created a life for myself where I don't deal with uh, like stressful, like I, I remove stressful things from my life, whether that's people, whether that's work, whether it's things I just don't want to do. Um, I'm a massive minimalist, you know, I've cleared out all, all the crap. And so I have literally created a life where I don't necessarily need resilience to live my life because I, I'm not, when I am at home, I am so, I'm just so lucky. Like I don't have... I, there's no other way like I don't have anything to really worry about where I need to be re resilient is that if that makes sense like you know yes I have tough days but again it's a choice and I love what I do because you know, you know I'm working on my business I'm working on tough girl challenges I love having these conversations yeah editing you know sometimes eight ten hours a day can be a little bit of a push but I love it and I'm learning while I'm editing so I don't really need resilience in my everyday life Occasionally when I go to the gym and have a tough gym session, then I may have to pull on some of those like, oh, I can't really be uh, really be bothered. But I don't really need to in my everyday life because it's not stressful. It's not testing. It's a massive comfort zone and pleasure for me to come and be in this environment. And anybody who follows me on Instagram stories will they'll know what like my life is like. You know, they know I work from my bed. They 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 know I like drinking my water, going to the gym, you know, having my protein shakes. Mum makes amazing food, looks after me super well. Um, 
So, yeah, I'm sorry, that's a really bad answer. No, I, 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 I well, just don't need to use it. Like, I mean, I still think that you do use it, but maybe that's because a more a reflection of me. But it's that kind of you live a life where I'm guessing you don't really have long term financial security or you don't really like for me, that kind of needs resilience and everyday interactions and I said, things I, things crop up. I'm injured. I've had family members die like these are the things that I can't plan for but I want to know or I want to kind of have things that I can call on to know that I can get through the tough times and I guess but it's it's fine if you feel like you don't have a challenging life (laughs) at this moment I suppose because I've with the with the financials I think because like previously I was so money motivated and so money driven that I've almost flipped it 180 where it's almost like not that I don't care about it because obviously it is it is important and I you know I do want to build up my savings and put money in a pension but I'm also very realistic that being a single single woman is like the likelihood of me being able to afford to buy my own home is very slim in this day and age unless I find a very wealthy partner who's already got their own home and I, you know, move in with them, then that's probably the only way that I could move out of my parents' house doing this job, unless I pack it all in, move back to London and start earning some big bucks again. Um, I think with the health, the health thing and the injury thing, that's something that I dealt with in, in 2015, 2016, um, when I was training for Marathon de Sables, I ended up getting, I, I massively overtrained and I basically ended up getting chronic fatigue. I was severely anemic. I had acne over all my face, all over my shoulders. I, I was constantly cold. I was waking up, up, up at three o'clock in the morning. I was having to have afternoon naps. My left eye was starting to deteriorate. My hair was falling out. Health wise, I was in a horrendous space, which took me, to be honest, almost, you know, 12 months to to recover from and that again that reframed everything for me in terms of my priority is my health it is my fitness it is what I'm consuming it is what I'm doing on a daily daily basis because back then me getting out of bed and brushing my teeth was the biggest achievement of the whole whole day and I know that's probably quite hard for people to understand especially if they've seen my life now it's just like adventure and gym but there was a stage where like I was really, really not very, very well. And if for anybody who's ever been in that situation, it just realizes that the importance of, you know, looking after yourself, investing in um, in being healthy and whether it's doing yoga and meditation or, you know, working with a personal trainer and doing strength training and mobility work. So I've definitely had those things. So I have used resilience in those situations. Um, I'm trying to now think of those. <laughs> Tell me everything that's going wrong in your life. What, no. what is going wrong? Now? I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I could, but I, there's not really that much. I mean, I'm heading, I'm heading off on a new challenge on the first of May. I'm heading off to walk the walk the Camino, um, which will be incredible. And then I do have various sort of plans and adventures planned for sort of later on, in, in June and, and August and, and October. And I, because of wanting to produce the podcast and preload the podcast, I have to I have to work incredibly hard to get everything edited and uploaded, and so that's it, that can be quite high pressure. So you know, so I'm interviewing at the moment. So some days I'm doing four or five interviews, you know, back back to back. Uh, but am I using resilience for that? <laughs> I don't I don't know. Maybe maybe I just do it so automatically now that I don't even it doesn't cross my mind that I'm drawing on these different tips and tricks to get things done if that makes sense so I probably am using resilience a lot 
Um, and I, you know, it's like I do struggle to get out of bed in the morning, but then, but then I just change my day so I don't have early morning calls, and then that makes me happy. So. <laughs> that's not really resilient. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it goes back to adaptability. <laughs> yeah, fine. adaptability. Well, well, no, like, I don't like um, I don't like so Monday morning. I don't like doing calls on Monday morning, and so I I don't open my diary until one in the afternoon on a Monday. So my Monday morning is super leisurely, super great. I go to the gym, have a great workout, come back, have lunch with with mum and dad. Then I'll start doing, you know, my interviews and my calls and my emails and the rest of the work. So it's a nice start to the week. But I will also say, for example, I will also work on weekends. Like that doesn't really bother me. Like I'm actually really excited for, for, for this weekend because it's like I've got nothing on all day. And it just means that I can do about eight hours of editing and just move everything forward. Um, yeah, so well, actually, we're, we're recording this on a bank holiday. So we're both. But, and also but I think it's quite similar. Like I feel like going through a similar illness as well like it, it does make me a lot more easy to be grateful for what I, for the little things for the getting out the seeing the sun the you know day-to-day stuff so I definitely resonate with that and yeah I don't do calls before 11 o'clock either <laughs> although I was just thinking sometimes when I'm out I suppose this is like so you know um, when, when you're running, for example, if you if you're using your clock, you're like you know if you're breaking down the time, so it's like okay, I've got five minutes to get five past, then ten minutes, ten minute block, so twenty minutes. I've got to, I need three twenty minute blocks to reach an hour, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Sometimes when I'm editing, I do use that tactic where I look, I look <laughs> at my clock, I'm like, so you've just got to edit for four more minutes, just four more minutes. And then you'll reach the hour and then you can stop. And then you get into the flow and then I'll look at the clock again and it'll be like six minutes past the hour. And I'm like, so I'll just edit for another four minutes, get to the 10 past mark. So maybe I do that. I'm a... imagining with like the, the drink and the snacks coming in like when you're running. <laughs> no, but actually, but my mum and dad bring me... The, to, to the, so like if I'm <laughs> your, your crew. Then, then they'll come up the... Yeah, my, my like dad will bring my post up. I sometimes film him, like bring my my parcel, my delivery. Mum will come in for a little chat, and like here's here's some crisps, here's some nibbles. Or we're having a gin and tonic later. Shall I bring yours up now? So um... <laughs> got it. Living the dream. Living the dream. But, but it feels like I honestly, I really am. But it but it comes back to like like this is the life that I've wanted to create for myself. Like I remember journaling you know, years and years ago about, you know, after, especially after I left my job, I was in this really, this funny place, I'd say, where I was feeling like a massive failure because no one could really, why are you leaving your, why are you leaving your job? We don't, we don't sort of understand. And I was feeling very lost because I, I, I now didn't have any status with, you know, from the company that, that I worked for. And, uh, you know, that obviously then impacted on my ego and, you know, how I was feeling. And so I used to journal a lot by asking myself really simple questions, like, what do I want to do? What type of life do I want to be living? Um, and I, I remember writing pages and pages and pages. And it is literally the life that I am living now. Like, you know, I want to be traveling for at least nine months of the year. I, I, I want to be able to, to live and work from anywhere in the world. Can I just do it from my phone or just do it from, from my laptop? You know, I want to motivate and inspire women and girls. But I also want to do my own personal challenges. Um, and so it is definitely it's definitely living a life that I have created. So it's all the decisions that I have made over the years, which has led me to this point, but I'm trying to balance it out because I, it, it does, my life does sound ridiculous now. And I'm very, very aware of that. And so you've got to remember, this is, this is not like a overnight success story. This is like, this is eight years to get to this 
point and it's been eight years of consistency and hard work to, to build it but you know I mean I know I know I keep saying it but also you know I do recognize that how privileged the privileged position that I am to be able to do what I am doing and many people don't don't have don't have that support um yeah so I so I, I literally I feel gratitude all the time like I yeah it's, it's actually something that we, we, I sometimes bring it up at the dinner table. Like, what are you grateful for today? What's been the best part of your day today? And we do, we literally do have conversations like that in our house. I'd be like, oh, well, today's been great because of da, da, da. And I did this and did that. And then we all, oh, it sounds right. <laughs> like, oh, cheer each other on. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, 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 I love I, it. I yeah, think I, it's I great. I love my life. So um, it's also, you can watch it on Instagram. Like, mum and dad, people love my mum and dad on Instagram stories. <laughs> <laughs> oh thank you I've kept you for so long but just briefly like what's coming up on you've mentioned a few of those trips that you've got coming up this year um anything else coming up in your projects so, so uh yeah so the, the the French way Camino Francis that's going to be starting on the 1st of May 500 miles in 35 days so it's a pilgrimage route from a little town called Saint Jean-Pierre De Port in France, crossing over the Pyrenees and walking to Santiago du Cospontella in Spain. I am then meant to be doing the GR20 in Corsica with my friend Alex Mason, who walked the Wales Coast Path with me. But she's currently got a bit of a leg injury at the moment. So I'm not sure... Um, I'm not sure if she's going to be able to do that one. So I'm just holding fire on that. And then I'm going to... I'm going to be speaking at the Armchair Adventure Festival, which will be super fun. I'm also going to be recording uh, three live podcast episodes down there. I can't remember the, the, it's very far down south. And then after that, I'm then going to walk off as dyke. So that will be super fun. So that will finish off. So I, in 2022, I walked the Wales Coast Path uh, from uh, from Chester all the way down around to Chepstow. And this will be sort of, you know, completing that, although you, you finish in Prostatin, um in the top of North Wales. And then later on in August, I'll be doing the coast to coast walk. So a long distance walking route from St. Bees Head in Cumbria across to Robins Hood Bay in Yorkshire. It's about 190 miles, 300 kilometers. Uh, so it's quite a long, uh, yeah, it's quite a really popular long distance walking route, which actually it hasn't been made into a national trail. It's not a national trail yet, but it is being turned into a national trail, I think, I believe in 2025. Um, so yeah, I'm going to be doing that. And then I've got, got a couple of big, two big walks I want to do at the end of 2023 and 2024 um I should probably talk about them because if you talk about things they're more likely to come true but I need to also like figure out some sponsorship uh deals first before I sort of uh announce them but uh, if you follow me visit me at toughgirlchallenges.com and come and follow me on Instagram at toughgirlchallenges you will be kept up to date with uh with all my adventures challenges my life at home working from my office <laughs> in my bed um, I can confirm you're, you're on your bed today <laughs> <laughs> and I still have the same bedding from like this is this bedding is from M&S it's got flowers on it's my favorite bedding and I've had this since I moved home so it's like so it's like eight years old the bedding and, oh, I love it still. and those well, trip- yeah sorry I'm literally about to say and then I've got my Himalayan salt lamps and I've got all my adventure books and then I've got my candles I've got my motivational messages on one side I've got say yes to new adventures and on the other side I've got if you can dream it you can do it um yeah. Oh, my, fantastic. Oh, sorry. I was also, oh, I'm talking so much. No, it's fine. <laughs> say, and then on the right hand, so if my, where my bed is, on the right hand side, I've, the whole wall is covered with a global map of the world, which is amazing. It makes me so happy every time I look at it. So, uh, yeah, I love, I love my office, aka my bedroom, <laughs> where I spend all my time when I'm not adventuring. 
And can we follow those long distance paths? Are they going to be vlogs as well that we can follow they will, with they, the, they the will highs be and the lows? The highs and the lows and the challenges. <laughs> I will try and make them exciting so you watch the longer than three I'll minutes. Watch, yeah, I'll watch the first start. three minutes. <laughs> yeah, but you know, but to be honest, like, feedback is really important to me. So, you know, go... go go and check out some of the um, older videos especially from the Appalachian Trail like there's a short six minute film um, of of that experience of walking the, like, the 2,300 miles um, in uh, yeah in six minutes <laughs> there's lots of tears lots of uh, funny things that happen um, yeah but yeah definitely follow along and, and if anyone's got any questions about some of the adventures or challenges that I've done best way to get in contact is honestly just send me a DM on Instagram stories and I will come back to you if you're also thinking of starting a podcast just let me know. I'm happy to give you any advice and tips. If I'm back in the UK, I will just send you an invite to my calendar, get booked in, and I will answer any questions that you have about podcasting. I'm oh, happy to do that. Thank you so much. Thank you for all your celebrating other women, sharing the stories, inspiring us all. And also, yeah, I can confirm she does let you chat to her and ask her all the questions about podcasting all as well. <laughs> Absolutely. More than happy to do that. <laughs> oh, Sarah, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for chatting all about resilience and your work and your life in your bedroom. <laughs> feel free to edit as much as you want we need to know what's on your walls we need it (laughs) maybe a little bit of an overshare there i'll uh send you uh, some feedback put a comment on that yes please do well she likes to talk doesn't she (laughs) thank you so much sarah you're welcome thank you so much for having me it's been such honestly such a pleasure to talk to you today so I really do hope I've added some some value to your listeners and that they can take away some practical pieces of advice and apply it to their own life and um, yeah get out there get adventuring and explore more of the world forget the listeners I'm just doing this podcast for my own benefit (laughs) no 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 I mean (laughs) yeah thanks bye-bye Thank you for listening to the Resilience Rising podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please do help people find us by hitting subscribe, leaving a review or sharing us with others. Thank you so much and see you next time on the Resilience Rising podcast.